<laughs> and uh, I just want to thank God for all you dads out there who step up to the plate and actually raise your families. And uh, I just want a special thanks on Father's Day. Thank you to my dad because he, he really did a number on me because I was definitely, definitely going down the wrong, the wrong road. But I just want to say because of God putting him in my life, I was able to find him and uh, turn my life around because Lord knows I needed it. But thank you all for all showing up today. And God bless you all. And happy Father's Day to all you all men out there. Helps if I turn on my mic, you know. All right, I was talking to Kevin before service, and he's like, well, you know, I'm not a father. He said, I'm a, he said, I'm a grandfather age, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to, to date you, but to age you there. But <clears throat> I, told, I said, you know, it's, it's funny because Paul talked about how Timothy was a spiritual son to him. And so it's like, you know, even if, even if I said, yeah, even if you don't continually stand in that office, you can, you can, temp, you can temporarily step in and d- father someone in some way, if, even if it's just for a moment. You know, because... Lots of people go through life and they don't have that. You know, anyway, let's pray. Father, happy Father's Day to you, Lord. We thank you, Father, and I ask, Lord, that you touch our hearts. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that we can understand, that you give us understanding of what it is that you desire for us to know, that we need to know, that is absolutely vital for us to continue the way into the fullness of the life that you had desired to give us and to bestow upon us and to uh, continually pour into us. And I thank you, Father. I ask for your help to bring out the word today, and I just thank you so much again, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, worship team. Love worshiping with you guys. Turn over to Psalm 133. Somewhere in the middle, right? If you hit Proverbs, you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, page, page 701. <laughs> yeah, if you're page 701, your textbooks, please. You won't find what you're looking for because every Bible is different. Now, Psalm 133, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is. Those are two different things. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren and sistren, by implication, to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the, upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. And that may sound weird, but I'll, I'll explain it in a minute here. Number three, it is, verse three, it is like the dew of Hermon, that's a mountain, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You know that God, God, God uh, gave a command of life. That's interesting, isn't it? But it says, it says, the, it says uh, like the, the precious oil upon the head, uh, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. Now, Aaron, of course, was a high priest. 
And uh, so this talking about the, with the moment he was anointed to be a high priest. And so peace, because it says here how, how uh, good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And so then, so then uh, unity has a connection to the priestly anointing. And we told you all before, if you accepted Christ, if you said, I love Jesus as Lord, you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you stand in a priestly anointing. Because the word said over in Peter that we are a royal priesthood. And the function of the priest was to bring people close to God. That was their primary function. <clears throat> okay, so the anointing, because the priest would receive an anointing to stand in that office, along with the prophet and the king, now we're all anointed. But so the anointing is God's supernatural help that he puts upon you in order to accomplish something. And you don't have to cooperate with that or yield to that or you, know, you can or you can't. You know, it's, the decision is up to you. So what he's, what he's saying here, it says unity and peace among the people in the church is like the anointing. It is like the anointing. It is not the anointing, but it is like the anointing. It is like. It is like precious oil upon the head. A church in unity is a church that can work together toward a common goal, common vision, okay? Without unity, it's impossible to accomplish that. It's like having an anointing from God, but not cooperating with it. Or you could say, failing to work with it. All right? <clears throat> Turn with me over to John 15. John 15. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, he says, as the Father loved me. How many, do we have any fathers in the house? I'm not, I'm not teaching a Father's Day message, but I'll just, I'll just touch on this. You know, I'm a father myself, as most of you know. I, I, I know that no earthly father is perfect. Some far from it. But the word says in Hebrews that our earthly fathers disciplined us for a, a few years doing the best, best they knew how. That's not saying that they were amazing, and, but it's just saying they did the best they knew how. At least we hope they did. And so to you fathers who are doing the best you know how, thank you for the good that you've done in leading your family. And my encouragement to you is to stay in the Word and learn more and more from God who is the best father. I told God one time I was uh, struggling as a father. The kids were really little. It's one of those landmark. This is one of your, those landmark moments when you, because you know when when I when I speak up here and I say, well, I, I was I was praying and God told me this. Those are landmark moments. It's not like every single moment I hear directly from God. You know, we follow the inward witness. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But uh, he is one of those rare occasions where I had this landmark moment. And I said, I said I was struggling. I said, God, he said, you're the best father. Please tell me how to be a good father. And almost immediately in my heart, I heard these words, what you've asked for is good. And I'm like, what? He said, let your children see you praying. Let them see you reading the word. Let them hear you worship. So what's he saying? Be an example. Train them up. So uh, Jesus was very aware. Notice here. Jesus was very aware of how much the Father loved him. And, we, and we're like, okay, well, that's Jesus. Well, yeah, but he set aside his divine privilege, the word said. 
And so the word said that when, as, a, as a boy, he grew in, in uh, stature and in wisdom. And so the knowledge of that, it's not like he, he had this, necessarily this innate understanding of how much the father loved him, but he grew in that uh, through experiential knowledge. This is how much the father loves me. This is how much my father loves me. Okay? So the father then must have had a, a direct influence in Jesus' life, even as a young, a little one. Okay? So he says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. You're stopping to think about that. Same kind of love. The same kind of love my father has for me, I have for you. Abide in that. Stay in that. Is what he's saying. And I wonder how often we, we ponder and think about how the ingredient of choosing to act in love uh, operates among friends and family. Uh, a decision to act in love. Because he's like, love, love each other, same as I've loved you, right? That's his command. And so these, and, and notice, though, keep in mind that we're in, this is John 15. This is some of the last things that Jesus said to the disciples before he went to the cross. And so he's, he's, give, he's telling them, these are things you're going to have to know before I'm not with you anymore. Right? It's very important to him. So look back at John 14 for a second at uh, verse 25. And again, these are still, it's just one chapter before. It's still, he's still in that mindset of these are the last few things I'm going to say to you before I go to the cross, okay? So in verse 25, he says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Why does God tell us things ahead of time before they happen? Why does he give us proper? prophecy. It's not so we can figure out every detail. It's not so we can try to figure out who the Antichrist is or whatever. It's so that when it comes to pass, we will know that he is Jesus, that he is the Lord. That is why it's to confirm your faith. It's not so that we can work out a plan. Amen. Now, if God gives you a plan, go for it. But my point is, is that the purpose of him telling this ahead of time, he said, because so that when it comes to pass, you may believe. And now in verse 29, he, he, oh, wait, I already read that. Excuse me. So, so uh, Jesus, notice here, he, he is talking about this close relationship he has with us. He's like, I'm, I'm saying these things while I'm present with you. I'm going away, but I'm coming back. He's talking about physically. I mean, he's with us in spirit. He said, lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. But he's, he's talking about this close relationship. 
that he has with us. And suddenly, in the middle of that, he starts talking about peace. And then in that next chapter, we just read how he talked about us loving one another. But how often do we separate this in our mind? We, we, when you think of peace in general, when I just think of the subject of peace, do I, is God in the center of that? When I, think, when I visualize, like, what is peace? Do I picture God as the source of that or the center of that or uh, the initiator of that? Do I think of it in that way? You know, uh, do, I, do I think of it in terms, or do I just think of it in terms of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm away from, I'm going to step back from everything, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the lights down low, I'm going to, uh, you know, get some coffee and just, you know, be, I mean, some people think of peace that way. You know, uh, or do they think of, do we think of it in terms of getting along with people at work or people at school or people at church? Do we think of it in terms of that? Because Jesus is saying, he's like, my peace I give you, but he's also talking about this close relationship. And my, as my father loved me, so I love you. You ought to love one another. These things all tie in. And it doesn't, uh, it, 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 we lose something if we separate that if we separate peace from the idea of being in unity with one another. You know, because do I think of peace as only something I can get when I'm in, I'm a, I'm in my prayer closet with God, just me and him? Do I, think of, do I think of peace as separating myself from the stress of everything that's going on and everything that's going on just in day-to-day life too? Or is Jesus telling us that our personal peace is somehow connected to the gathering of believers that meet together with us because they have the same Jesus we have. You have peace in Jesus when it's just you and him, but there should also be peace with other believers because they have the same Jesus we have. Doesn't this fit like a glove with that Psalm 133 that says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in Unity and peace, because there's peace and unity. Leave a bookmark here in John, and I'll do the same. If you have a bookmark, if you don't, there's some, there's some in the back there. And go to Ephesians four. How are you all today? By the way, everybody good? Everybody happy? The birds are singing. The road was up to meet you on the way in. Ephesians 4, verse 1, said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. What's that, what's that mean? Uh, you know, what's a, a, a more um, contemporary way of saying that would be putting up with one another in love, bearing with one another, shouldering burdens of others, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Unity and peace. Unity and peace. 
how good it, and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Now, if I just read that, this here, this little passage we just read at a glance, this is like, this is kind of, you know, when I, if, 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 a, if, if a person is studying the word on their, or they're reading the word, it's like you start a new chapter and sometimes you feel like these first few verses are just kind of introductory. I need to get down there to the good stuff. But, the, but if we blow past this, we miss a lot. Because uh, it's like, if I just read it at a glance, it may seem like, oh, yeah, unity and peace. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just effortless. That's just, that just happens. No, it does not just happen. But see, when you first got saved and you found a church, did you just assume that everyone would get along? You know, everyone would agree about everything, and it would just be all sunshine and lollipops and meetings for coffee and, like, you know, oh, yeah, we just, we just love God. And we do love God, but, it, but, but we, we understand that if you've been to church more than just a week or two, you probably recognize that Christians are not perfect. <gasps> We're not, you know. And we have an enemy called the devil who works overtime at getting Christians to be at odds with one another. Why? Well, first of all, to try and derail God's plan of getting as many people saved as possible before Judgment Day, because that's God's plan. That's his desire. The Word said he desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But we also know that won't happen because he said it won't. But that's his desire. And so we work to see his desire done if we do surrender. (laughs) <laughs> as the song said. And so, uh, Satan's secondary goal is to give unbelievers an excuse not to come to church. He's hoping to get as many Christians arguing as possible, as publicly as possible, so that the world can look at us and say, they're no different than we are. Why would we want what they have? You know? Because he doesn't want them to even consider that we have a Jesus who is real, This is what we want the people in the world to do. We want them to start considering. Say, maybe Jesus is real. Maybe I ought to give him a chance, a real chance. Not just a two or three week chance, but a real chance. And many Christians who haven't learned this command to endeavor to keep the unity by walking in love. And that's that's really a pandemic that we have in the American church. The American church does some things right, but one of the things they don't do a very good job of is endeavoring to keep the unity in the bond of peace. How do we know that? Well, just look at how much division there is. A lot of division. And so people who haven't learned that, you know, they hurt somebody because they're not, they're not trying to keep unity. They're just pushing their own agenda. And so somebody, they hurt somebody or they get hurt by somebody who is pushing their agenda. And so then they stop going to church altogether to try to avoid getting hurt again. Right? But then they get into trouble with that because the word said not to forsake the gathering of yourselves together. There's a reason. You know, I read, uh, I read an excellent blog the other day. It just happened to be written by my wife. She's talking about, she's talking about in, in the wild, you know, a lion that's stalking the herd. 
Do they go after the one that's in the middle of the herd? No. They go after the ones who are behind or the ones who are off by themselves because they're easier targets. They don't, have the, they don't have the benefit of the protection of the herd. And I mean, maybe, maybe the ones who are straggling are just thinking like, well, you know, if I'm in the middle of the herd, everybody's bumping into me and I don't have any personal space and there's just a whole lot of, of grunting and, and I, just wanna, I, w- I just want some peace, so I'm going to separate myself over here. And now they're separated. And now they're not, they don't, they don't have the benefit of the protection of that group. And really, ultimately, God is our protection. But there is some protection that is afforded in the natural just by being, having a gathering of believers. And that's why the word said not to do that, not to forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And, and, together. and the price of that, the price of that gathering is to endeavor to work to keep unity in the gathering. Then it's a price to be paid. It is a sacrifice. Because that means that sometimes I have to lay down things I want in order to uh, keep unity in the body. Amen? Now, the Holy Spirit is involved in this. You see that? Because it said, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace. The unity of the spirit. So that unity is of the spirit. It is of the spirit. Now the Holy Spirit. Um, there's, there's an advantage to this then. If the Holy Spirit is involved. Because we don't need to do it all on our own strength. Then. Okay. But there is some effort in, in our part too. Because he's our co-laborer. He works with us. But uh, the effort on our part, that word endeavor, means to try hard to do something. That's what the definition said when I looked it up. To try hard to do something. We're thinking about keeping unity. Keeping it. Maintaining it. Keep the unity of the Spirit. And so, we're saying things that help keep unity. We're thinking things that help keep unity. We're doing things that help keep unity. In the body. Be about the Father's business. I'm going to read that last verse one more time. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the bond, the bond of peace. Peace is a bond. Peace is a bond. Did we ever think about it that way? When I think of peace, it's like, like, you know, my first thought is just like, oh, well, you know, there's a waterfall and there's a babbling brook and I've got my, my camping chair and I'm reading a book. No. Peace is a bond, it said. The bond of peace. Think about a good relationship you have on this earth. I mean, I mean, I guess you could think about the good relationship you have with God, but you could think about a good relationship, a best friend, a whatever. That is a good bond. That's a bond. Uh, Joining together, if you will, a bond. Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. My bond, my, the bond of peace. Not as the world gives, do I give. If God's peace is a bond 
That means that for the follower of Jesus Christ, to be alone is to not have peace. Because it's a bond. And if I've broken a bond, then how can I, how can I have peace? So if you said out loud, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead. Romans 10.9, me and Dave were just talking about that. So then, if you, if you have done that, then you have a bond with Jesus. You're bonded to him. You do. The bond that you have with him is part of who you are in him. It's a part of your new identity. Because he gave you a new identity. You've got the citizenship in heaven card. My identity. I'm a child of God. It's your bond with him. It's father-child bond. Remember what I told you. I want you to be more and more dependent on God and less and less dependent on anything else. The bond you should be most dependent on is the bond that you have with Jesus. It's kind of like, you know, you, you work a job. You have to claim, uh, if you, you know, you, 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 you state to your, your company, I'm going to claim so many dependents, right? So if you're in God's kingdom, you are now one of his dependents. Think about it like that. That's his bond with you. He's, he's your father. And therefore, he sees you as, he, he's, I, I, why wouldn't he provide for you, take care of you? If he, if he didn't hold back Jesus, why would he hold back anything else that you need? And so you should think of yourself as one of God's dependents. But then we're also told that we have a bond of peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The most important bond is with Jesus. Can't stress that more, you know, enough. But it's our responsibility to maintain the bond, our responsibility to maintain the bond with him and also the bond with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why the word tells us to be Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, back in the Old Testament, Caleb, uh, you know, Caleb and Joshua gave a good report to the. You know, they went out, spied the land, they came back, and they're getting ready to go in the promised land. And they gave a good report. The other ten spies gave a bad report. And later, Caleb came to Joshua. I mean, after they had conquered some of the land and everything, he came to him and he said, uh, he said, you remember that when we went out and spied, they spread a bad report. God sent us into the wilderness for 40 years. He told me I was going to come back here. He said, I can still fight and walk as good as I could then. He said, and, and uh, God promised me this land. He said, he, he said, but the report was when we came back, he said, I gave a report as it was in my heart. Now, if you keep your heart right before God, what happens is, is that when you're swift to hear and slow to speak, what, why, why be slow to speak? Why take time to speak? Be, to give your heart time to teach your mouth what to say if your heart is right before God. <laughs> it's not easy, but it can be done, and you can, be, and you can train yourself to do that. It takes time. It's like, oh, I messed it up again. I spoke too soon, but it's okay. There's forgiveness and there's grace and there's patience from God. Because God wants us to try hard to, to maintain our bond with one another. And he knows that we'll miss the mark now and then. 
None of us is perfect. It takes time to unlearn the, way, the world's ways of treating people. It takes time to learn God's way of communication. He talks faith. Amen. Now, the world's peace is a selfish peace. God's peace is the bond of peace. Flip back over there to John, that bookmark you left. Hey, I've still got 25 minutes. What do you think of that? So look at there at uh, 27, verse 27 again. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. He's telling us about his kind of peace. He's saying, okay, I'm going to give you my peace, and now let me tell you some things about my peace so that you know uh, why you should cooperate with my peace because it's possible to have it and not cooperate with it. Because he said, he said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's like, and most people would think, well, but if he gave me peace, why would my heart be troubled anyway? I should just fix the problem, right? No. His peace is what allows you to not let your heart be troubled and to not let it be afraid. Perfect peace that passes all understanding. Be anxious. For nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request made known to God. And the peace of God, then, after you've done all that, with thanksgiving is in there too. After you've done all that, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind. And it passes all understanding. That's why when someone kind of, I mean, I felt like I just kind of stumbled into that when I finally, it was like, wait a minute, I've just got this peace. And people were like, how are you able to stand what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. But I've got peace. I'm okay. It's like the whole world's falling down around you. Everything's burning down to the ground. And it's like, praise God. Peace. (laughs) That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Because you can't change one head, hair, white or black by worrying. You can't, you can't add any height to your stature by worrying. Can't do it. So what's the point? Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Amen. So uh, look at the next chapter here in verse 4. Chapter 15, verse 4. This is very, this is key. Okay? He, this is Jesus still speaking. He says, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The Greek word translated here as abide means to be present. Be present. I used to think of my relationship with Jesus as something like I wake up, I read a little Bible, I pray a little. And then, I mean, if, if, if on, a, on a day that I actually did read my Bible and pray a little before I went about my day. But it's like, then I go to work, go about my day, and then right before bed, I, I pray a little bit more. But if you think about the way a tree branch is connected to a tree trunk, 
you'll get an idea of what Jesus is really saying here. He's like, be present in me at all times. Just like the branches connected to the vine. Look what he said in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me is present in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And that includes having peace. Without him, you can't have peace. Not his kind of peace. Because peace is a part of the bond that you have with him. Let me put it this way. Your bond with Jesus that was made the moment you accepted him as Lord is what enables you to have peace. The, the peace comes through the bond because peace is a bond. <laughs> so because peace comes through that bond, just the same way as a tree branch is nourished with water and nutrients that come through the bond with the tree trunk, they're bonded together, and if that branch is cut off, then the tree trunk, from the tree trunk, then it, 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 it dies because it is not getting any nutrients or water from the trunk because the bond is now broken. The Amplified, when, when you read this in the Amplified, in brackets, all over the place when Jesus is talking about abiding, it says, vitally connected. Stay vitally connected to me. It's vital. Absolutely vital for, for us to abide in him. So he, he's like, it's, it's vital for you to abide in me because if you leave the bond you have with me, you'll be cut off from everything you need from me, from him. The bond you have with Jesus is a living, vital relationship. Notice he didn't say, I mean, he, there's lots of things uh, that, uh, I mean, uh, like, a, like a, a wagon has a wheel that has, has a bond. It's attached in some way. But Jesus doesn't talk about an inanimate object when he gives us this. He talks about, he's like, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He talks about things that are alive. This is a living relationship. This is a living bond. So to make a distinction between that and understand that he was very, um, he was very intentional the way that he taught this to us. Okay? Amen. So if you don't have that bond with Jesus and you need it, come talk to me. Or if you had one at one time and you are understanding now, man, I need to renew that bond, come talk to me. Please. Amen. So anyone and anyone who online wants a relationship with Jesus, if you're online, I haven't forgotten about you. I, remember, I remembered that you're there. Please get in touch with us because we want to pray with you, pray for you if you want that bond. Now the final thought before we close. The follower of Jesus has a bond of peace with Jesus, but through that bond... We also have a bond of peace with everyone else who is bonded to Jesus. I mean, if you think about it like a, like a network of tree branches, right? Through Jesus, I'm connected with you. You're connected with me. Through him. Even the most broken relationships among Christians, even the most bitter, estranged, 
and jaded relationships among Christians can be renewed because through Jesus, they still have a claim to the bond of peace. And Jesus is greater than any argument or strife or dispute or disagreement or discord or betrayal. He's greater. He can make all things new. Amen? If we're willing to endeavor to maintain that unity because peace is a bond and peace is his bond. Okay? That's all I have for you. You all okay with that? You feel bonded? Do you feel bonded this morning? Okay. <laughs> Karen's got it. I'll, I'll read that because the people online couldn't have heard that. She, she said on her heart, the scripture, 16, John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus overcomes it all. Amen. Yes, Iris. You know, we all know these scriptures. We have read these scriptures. Pastor has told us over and over again. Many of us has, have discussed it in different groups, different sermons. But do we really know it? Because we have the job to go out there and make a difference. How can we make a difference when we're not always in agreement? We love each other. We don't want bad things to happen. But we're a small church, and I'm guilty of getting mad with some of you. <laughs> I'm guilty of saying, I can't believe this one did it again. I can't believe uh, the next time, Pastor, I'm going to knock him upside the head. I'm but, guilty of it. But she hasn't done it, so we're okay. I come close, but he, he's, he, like he says, talk to him. <laughs> but... In praying at the same time that I am guilty of feeling like that about someone else, I don't know what their home life is. I don't know if they're having a bad time, if their health is off. I don't know if they feel the same way about me. I got a big mouth. I try to use it for Jesus, but I don't always use it for Jesus. Amen. So the thing is that we need to sometimes... Go back to kindergarten on Sundays and actually listen to what's being preached because we got to get it right. You see what's going on out there? Mm -hmm. Time is running out. We, we got to get it right. So if, if you need to put something on the table with someone, pray first. Pray first. That's God is telling me that. Pray first, and then say, listen, brother, listen, sister, there's something, can we um, still get annoyed at each other for right now, but we got to work this out through Christ, because we should have unity in this house. Get a little bit upset, get a little bit annoyed if that's what you want, but if you truly believe in him, before you leave for that evening, it's all going to be straight. And you may end up loving and appreciating each other more. Because whatever you're annoyed at, 
people are annoyed with you for the same thing. Because if you recognize it, it's because you do it too. I'm guilty of it. <laughs> so let's get it together, family. We got work to do. Come on. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Okay. If any of you need prayer, we're here. And... Oh, I thought you were telling me to preach it. I'm like, I, I just preached it, Kevin. Okay, so, so. <laughs> okay, so if you need prayer, we're here. And uh, you're dismissed. Bless you guys.